The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon here with you on this, uh, on the, well, here we are coming off of a bye week. Brian Murphy is joining me. Hey, Brian. Hi, Jeffrey. And Luke Saris is joining us uh, for this show. Hey, Luke. Hello, hello. And we are uh, at blackandgoldbanneret.com. We are SB Nation's home for your UCF Knights. Uh, you can follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can follow us at UCF underscore banneret. And follow us individually at... Uh, uh, Boy, I totally blanked on that. Jeff underscore Sharon, <laughs> Spokes underscore Murphy, and Luke Scar- and Luke Saris SBN. You're going to have to change your uh, handle to Luke Scaris, Luke, when we get around to yeah. Halloween, alter, yeah. I'm sure, uh, you know, when people change their Twitter handles and stuff for that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> don't forget Facebook. It's, it's, it's just Luke with, like, a Raleigh Fingers mustache. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, we are at uh, facebook.com slash black and gold banner as well if you care to follow us there. And uh, you can subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and tune in. All right, boys, let's dive right in. Uh, boy, we've been looking forward to this game for quite some time now. Uh, maybe it's lost a little bit of the shine, but um, I don't know. As we approach Friday night, it's coming. Friday night, 7 p.m. kick, UCF against Lane Kiffin. And the FAU Owls. Um, FAU comes in two and one. You know they had a lot of juice coming into that opener against uh, Oklahoma, but then they well kind of laid an egg in that game against the uh, seventh-ranked Sooners, losing sixty-three to fourteen. I think a lot of people expected FAU to be a lot more competitive in that game than they were. Uh, since then, they won two straight. They beat Air Force by six. Uh, they beat Bethune-Cookman last week uh, by 21. Gave up some points in that game. They gave up 28 points in that game. But still, uh, the lane train is 2-1 uh, and one as it uh, pulls into Orlando for the first time in uh, 15 years. Brian Murphy, you've been around the team uh, this week. UCF is obviously well-rested <laughs> coming off of not playing a game against North Carolina because that was uh, um, uh, canceled because of the hurricane. So... I don't know. What's what's in store for Josh Heupel and company? What have they been able to do to keep themselves sharp and uh, get ready for this game against uh, a fellow in-state school? Well, we know that uh, UCF started game planning for FAU uh, last Thursday. They found out last week, uh, after they found out that they, they would not go to North Carolina, they took the Wednesday off. They came back on Thursday, started putting the game plan for FAU. Um, you know, they talk, you know, in pretty general terms about FAU, but I think if you look at how like a team like Oklahoma attacked FAU with Kyler Murray, a mobile dual threat quarterback, launching these big deep passes, you know, down the field that were really successful, both him running with the ball and him throwing it downfield, uh, isn't that kind of what UCF does? Like, it just feels like a carbon copy of what UCF can already do. Um, I think that's one thing I'm really interested to see is like. Can this defense, if it couldn't stop Kyler Murray, um, does it have any chance also against McKenzie Melton uh, and that and all those deep threats? So uh, they haven't said a whole lot. I mean, they've been very complimentary about you know Devin Singletary, the star running back, but uh, I think we're I think we're ready to play a game. 
Luke, you uh, have the preview up on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Another fine job, indeed. Um, Thank you. <laughs> the, <laughs> when you broke this game down and when you broke FAU down, you know, what stood out to you in particular, other than, you know, obviously what Brian mentioned and how they, you know, Kyler Murray just had a field day against them uh, for Oklahoma. Um, what stood out to you for this FAU team in terms of something that they can fix heading into this game? Um, I don't know if something stood out that I don't know if I was looking at it from a, a standpoint of what can they fix. When I was looking at the team, I, I really tried to take that Oklahoma game out of the picture because, I mean, you know, Oklahoma is one of the best teams in the country. I mean, they they could be in, in the playoff this year. So I tried to take that out of the view. And the thing that stood out to me the most was their defense is performing very poorly. Um, you know, you, you look at a team like Bethune-Cookman, they gave up 28 points to Bethune-Cookman. Uh, they gave up 27 to Air Force. Not saying that, uh, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from either of those teams, but Bethune-Cookman, an FCS team, Air Force traditionally hasn't been the, uh, you know, the, the, the strongest opponent. The big thing that sticks out is that they they rank in the bottom twenty in the country, and um, rushing rushing yards allowed per game, um, yards per rush, and, and rushing touchdowns. I believe are the three. It, it, it's, it's in my article. So they're having a, a hard time stopping the run. And on the flip side, UCF has the third most yards per carry in the nation. So uh, I, I know Brian touched on how Mackenzie Milton may be able to slice and dice his defense. But I think a big thing to watch is, is how our ground game, especially with the way they've been performing with, with the performance of the offensive line, you know, they could steal the show, especially with Mackenzie coming off, you know, a, a slightly a rough game in for his standards, uh, you know, this, this trio or, you know, if you want to throw Otis into the the mix, you know this this group of running backs running backs could really steal the show, and and which is funny because you expect the the run game to be highlighted by Singletary, right? Well, we'll talk a little bit more about FAU with uh, Cyrus Smith, who joined us from uh, Underdog Dynasty, uh, also part of SB Nation, but. Uh, UCF comes in a double-digit favorite in this game, um, at thirteen and a half over under. I haven't checked the over under uh, recently, but um, I went back in the um, archives to take a look to see if Josh Heupel and Lane Kiffin had gone up against each other um, in some fashion as coaches. Interestingly enough, um, Heupel was the offensive coordinator for uh, Oklahoma when they defeated Alabama in the twenty fourteen. Sugar Bowl. However, Lane Kiffin wasn't at Alabama at the time. He was hired 10 days later uh, yeah. and uh, to be Alabama's offensive coordinator, um, which I thought was interesting. But um, <clears throat> especially when you consider that Alabama kind of got kind of got run out of the building in that game um, by Oklahoma and Josh Heupel's offense. Do, do we expect... Um, uh, Brian, I'll toss this back to you. Do we expect to see 
you know, a lot more new wrinkles from UCF in this game from Josh Heupel. Is this going to be more like the UConn game where we're going to try and uh, unload some stuff, or is this going to be like the South Carolina State game where, you know, I'm not going to, where we're probably not going to show our hand too much? What do you expect? No, I think, well, they're going to play it. I think they're going to play it as it goes. And if, if, you know, if Luke's right and if I'm right with what we both said about FSU's, FAU's defense, kind of whatever this team is going to throw out is going to pretty much be available to them. So, I, I mean, I don't know if you're saying, like, they're going to hold anything back since FAU. Like, they're not going to do that. They wouldn't say that, nor do I, nor do I think they're going to do that. Um, you're going to see them run their usual offense. What's kind of fun is both these teams run tempo. Um, so it's going to be a fast-paced game on both sides. <laughs> you might and, be there a while. <laughs> yeah. We might be running 140 plays out here on Friday night. Yeah, good thing they're um, starting it at 7 on uh, Friday night because oh, it might it might end I'm after not, midnight. <laughs> I'm not going to get it until sunrise. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, no, I think you'll see the regular UCF offense because, I mean, I think a lot of the things that they, they do, deep passes, um, kind of gadget stuff with their running backs. I think that stuff's going to be all open to them. I think it's going to be available to them. By the way, I checked. The over-under opened at 69.5. It's now at 77. Yeah, and I'm actually looking at Odd Shark right now. This is interesting, too. Um, UCF's still a 13.5-point favorite, but 60% of the bets are on UCF. 70% of the money wagered on the over-under has been on the over of 71. So... Um, Friday night fireworks at uh, Spectrum Stadium. Uh, Luke, the the thing that stood out to me about um, FAU has been Chris Robison, the quarterback for them. It, a lot of similarities to Mackenzie Milton in his first year, don't you think? I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd say that. I, I just. I truly think they're just two different quarterbacks. Um, I, I think they're similar in the sense where they're both trying to you know, get settled and, and, and find their identity with the offense. But um, Robinson doesn't, doesn't bring the, the threat with his legs that McKenzie had. With, when McKenzie was a, a true freshman, at, when all, all else failed, he, you know, he, could, he could roll out of the pocket and, and make a place with his feet. Robinson doesn't really have that, that ability. Yeah, he's he's. They're both kind of shorter guys. Robinson six one. Uh, he's from Mesquite, Texas. Interestingly enough, he actually transferred over from um, originally at Oklahoma. He was originally in Oklahoma. Came and came over. Uh, so he's officially listed as a redshirt freshman. Um, but you know, you see a guy, you know, kind of settling in with a young coach. You know, there's going to be a little bit of growing pains. I think that that's what FAU certainly um, dealt with in these first um, in these first couple of games with him. But he looked to settle in quite nicely against Bethune Cookman uh, last week. By the way, interestingly enough, last meeting between these two squads, uh, any of you guys care to guess? I know, I know, I know. Both actually, I know Luke. You know Brian. Uh, I believe it was the only meeting between the two squads, correct? That's correct. 2003. Yeah. Somebody read my article. Yeah, somebody, yeah somebody's been reading Luke Sarah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, it was uh, a 33-29 UCF win at the Citrus Bowl. Uh, Ryan Schneider, interestingly enough, in uh, his final year at UCF, threw for 497 yards in that game, and that still stands 
as the school record for most passing yards by by a quarterback in a game. Uh, also, interestingly enough, for UCF, two future NFL receivers both had a hundred yards receiving in that game. A young Brandon Marshall and an even younger Mike Sims Walker. Back then, he was just known as Mike Walker. Had a hundred. They both had a hundred yards in that game. UCF actually, uh, FAU was a third year FCS program. Uh, coming into the Citrus Bowl in that game, coached by Howard Schnellenberger, who obviously we remember him from you know Miami and and helped bring Miami to prominence, founded the FAU program in Boca, and uh, FAU st- stuck with UCF throughout that game. It was tied at fourteen at the half. Uh, UCF was able to uh, come out in front, but then uh, FAU made a late rally and actually had a couple of passes to the end zone fall incomplete in the final seconds that would have given FAU. Uh, a victory uh, in a season where UCF ended up going uh, three and nine. It was not, it wasn't one. It wasn't a good year for. It was actually uh, the year that year Mike Cruzette got fired, and uh, Q George O'Leary and Q George O'Leary. That's right. So uh, in the meantime, FAU um, they actually had a pretty good year that year in uh, in one double A uh, under uh, under Howard Schnellenberger. So. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, FAU has put out their hype video for this game on their I Twitter account. I did see that. I did, in fact, see that. Not bad. It's actually a, a pretty well-produced video. Uh, it does the very – it talks it, – it, 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 it does a lot of like dramatic comparison between the two schools and the two programs. And at the end of it, the three words that you're left with are ignite this rivalry. Uh, so, I mean, look, this, I mean, they, these teams haven't played since 2003. They do play next year. It's actually FAU's home opener, uh, in Boca. Uh, so we'll have two meetings in about, in, in less than a year. But uh, after that, I don't know when these teams are meeting again, but with the white, what, what the white brothers involved, maybe this will be something that uh, we'll, we'll get to see more often. That would be fun. That would be fun. I know that, uh, back in 03, that loss to UCF, uh, was, uh, a- after that, FAU won 10 games in a row and actually managed to make it all the way to the uh, Division I AA semifinals uh, where they lost at home to uh, Colgate. But, uh, it was, uh, but that, was, that was the beginning of something at FAU that has grown into uh, this program uh, being in uh, actually where UCF kind of was uh, as a member of Conference USA. Uh, and uh, we'll talk more about that with Cyrus Smith uh, after the break. But before we get to that, I wanted to um, discuss uh, some personnel matters around here. Um, so, so na- namely having to do with Lane Kiffin just sticking his nose into everybody's business. Um, you may have noticed on blackandgoldbanneret.com uh, our story up there. I actually wrote it because I give Brian credit. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to touch this with a 10-foot pole. Please, you do it. Um and, for, and, uh, and, you know, and I'm not afraid to say things that, you know, that uh, um, that might ruffle some feathers about Lane Kiffin. But, you know, he put up this graphic in uh, in the locker in the locker room or in the weight room, actually, of what was purportedly a quote from Neville Clark of UCF about Devin Singletary, the running back uh, for FAU. And the quote was from supposedly from Clark, quote. He's a pretty good back. However, I look forward to stopping him dead in his tracks. End quote. There's only one problem with that, Brian Murphy. Would you care to illuminate what that problem is? Sure. Uh, the, the problem is that although Navelle Clark did say he's a pretty good back, 
Uh, he didn't say the rest of that quote. Uh, <laughs> and how do we know quote, that? <laughs> <laughs> because because the rest of the quote was written by somebody I know. He's kind of a jerk, <laughs> and it's mean. <laughs> so I really think we need to get Lane Kiffin to get with the Photoshop team and have Neville Clark and you side by side on the poster. I was. Do you know how? I, I really yeah, need to. No. Yeah, you know what? We need to do this. We need to do this right now. We need to get. We need to get like something Adobe Spark or something, and like figure this whole thing out and put like Brian's picture on it. I swear we're going to do that. I uh, wanted to do like I know we got some. I know we have some fans who are like really good with Photoshop, and I was like going to ask somebody like, "Look, can you like cross out the part that Navelle didn't say, and and then I'll well, just no leave it there, but then like circle it and just say Brian Murphy instead of Navelle Clark." <laughs> Guys, you're been talking to a graphic design guru. I will have this tomorrow. You're on it. Let's go, Lou. You're on it. Here we go. I, I knew. I, I knew this. Would, I knew this would pay off. Pay huge dividends. I, I, I mean. The, it's just—it's okay. absurd. This is absurd. Well, by the well way. Let's, like, let's, let's think about let's this be for a real. second. Let's let's think about this for a second. Like Lane Kiffin, right? Okay, you know what you're going to get from Lane Kiffin, right? He's going to try and stir the pot, uh, and he's going to try and light a fire under his guys. I mean, coaches are coaches are great at gaslighting. Okay, they're great at gaslighting their players. They're great at gaslighting themselves. Some of them are better than others, but. I don't know if this was actually Lane doing this or maybe a GA. I want to say that it would be a GA doing this, you know, on his behalf, but Lane tweeted it out. And mm-hmm. and now, you know, Norman Clark, Neville's dad is out there with this and, you know, I I, I mean there were there were there were definitely some UCF players who who definitely know about this. There were some some tweets that were sent out by UCF players that were quickly deleted. Uh, they're very aware of this. Yeah. Okay. They're okay. They're aware now. I, well, it. First of all, I want to say that to those players, it it warms my heart that they are coming to the defense of Brian Murphy. Um, <laughs> uh, the second thing is, like, does Lane Kiffin not know how Twitter works? Does Lane Kiffin not know how quote attribution works? Or, or the well, uh, well, no, I well, I, I, I don't exactly think exactly how it works. Okay, I think this yeah. is the exact reaction he wanted. Right, but yeah, but why Maybe. it makes him look like an idiot? He just like he likes stirring the pot. He's getting UCF fans all riled up before the game. But listen, this, is that this what is he really ins- wants to do heading into a UCF stadium, though? <laughs> oh, yeah. He wants to get under people's skin. Mm-hmm. Trust me. I, he, I think he's just an epic level troll, to be completely honest. <laughs> you know, when I, th- when I think of an Internet troll, I think the image of Lane Kiffin is not is not the image that I conjure up in my head. But I think you're right about that, Luke. I just, you know, my thought was initially like, OK, come on, Lane, you've. You've probably taken journalism one on one, and then I thought, no, he probably didn't, actually. But, um, but at the very least, he knows how. Like, he he knows how this works. He got called out on it. I mean, I don't, I don't think he said anything about. It. And to be fair, he's been pretty complimentary of UCF um, publicly, at least uh, in terms of you know what UCF has been able to do. Did Josh Heupel have anything to say about it, Brian? Yeah. So we asked him about that, or I, I'll just say I asked him about that today. 
Uh, he actually did say that, uh, you know, he believed <laughs> did he know that it was Bolden, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so I will, I will, I'll use the exact wording I used on the question, but first he did say that, you know, there can be some benefit to, to, to posting bulletin board material to kind of get in your guys more engaged early in the week. So he, I think if, if, if something like this happened, uh, with, with, with Josh Heibel, if there was somebody who's actually putting down one of his players, you might, you might uh, see him put that up in the locker room somewhere. You might not see it on Twitter, but he might actually use it as motivation. I did also say, I did ask him like in this exact phrasing, I said, uh, have you seen that, uh, they've taken a quote from one of your players and put it up in the locker room? And I didn't say like, you know, that, you know, it's my, mostly Congratulations. my words. Congratulations. You, you, you just promoted yourself to player. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, and he says, uh, yeah, I, I've seen it. Uh, I, I, I don't think that is what the, I don't think that's what the uh, statement was necessarily uh, exactly word for word. Um, but basically wrote it off as Lane Kiffin just basically wanting to make something out of nothing. He basically said that Lane uh, pretty much, you know, made the quote the way he wanted to make it. And at the end of the day, they're going to go out there and play Friday night and, and we'll, we'll see where the best team wins. I will say just at the end of this, like I'm glad that this will be over because it's been really weird the last like 36 hours to be somewhat involved in this. And, um, but, but it, it's fun. It's funny. It's absurd. And that's what kind of makes sports kind of fun. A, a lot of times is like, we shouldn't get so bent out of shape with these little things that are very small and microscopic and they're about sports and they're just, there's, they really have nothing to do with anything, but we do because sports is just so passionate. So it makes it great, but I'm, I'll be looking forward to when this is over, except if Navelle Clark tomorrow or Friday, what day is it? Where am I? Uh, if he goes out and gets like 15 tackles <laughs> and like two picks, and then we have to talk to him afterwards after the game, like, I'm obviously going to bring it up again, right? Like, I kind of have to. I think that if that happens, Neville Clark owes you a game ball. <laughs> we we better be running some some cornerback uh, blitzes. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah I, I'm will. looking forward to uh, yeah. I'm looking for a Richard Sherman esque performance from from uh, from Mr. Clark. All right, um, you can catch more of this on Black and Gold Banner at uh, dot com. Um, with the uh, with the very apt headline, Neville Clark didn't say what Lane Kiffin said he said, um, uh, and uh, not to mention, make sure you pick, uh, make sure you get yourself prepared by reading Luke's preview because uh, once again, it's a fabulous it's it's a fabulous preview of everything you need to know uh, heading into Friday Night Kick Friday night seven p.m. Uh, ESPN right guys. ESPN, yeah, prime ESPN. time, baby. Prime time. All right, so that should be fun. And uh, Jason Benetti will be down calling that game. I, I, I'm actually uh, – I, I knew Jason from my Syracuse days, so uh, he and I crossed paths more than a few times. Can, at, uh, can, at I also, can I also like put in a personal order about Jason Benetti? Go for it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I really hope I get to meet him uh, because if, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jason Benetti has cerebral palsy, uh, and so do I. And I, I just – think it'd be really neat to meet him and say kind of like an inspiration he is like he does the he does the chicago white Sox play by play that's right for them every day um but and so people, people don't see him and so they don't know that he has cerebral palsy and i just think it's, it's really cool what he's done on a national stage he's an amazing announcer too and uh, and he works with kelly stoffer who also who's going to be a, who's a former seattle seahawk quarterback who uh, does a fine job they're a great crew and uh and i'm looking i i, I do and you'll be at the game right you'll be at the press box 
Oh, I'll be there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, you'll have the chance. That'll be great. So, um, so yeah. I mean, I, I, I wish I could be there just to say hi from our Syracuse days, but, uh, but unfortunately, I won't be able to be there. But, um, Brian, you'll be there. I know uh, that we'll be watching everything else unfold uh, from afar. And uh, but it should be a good game. Seven o'clock Friday night, UCF against FAU. We're going to continue our preview of the game uh, coming up with Cyrus Smith, who follows FAU for SB Nation. He's the managing editor of Underdog Dynasty. Uh, we'll be talking to Cyrus here when we return, and then also we'll catch you up on kind of a wild week for uh, the Olympic sports. Some big time comebacks for uh, UCF men's soccer. Uh, we got some uh, hat trick, uh, some hat tricks to pass out. And uh, what does UCF what's UCF volleyball up to? Uh, how close were they to uh, to nearly uh, falling in a match when they finally actually wrapped one up? So a big weekend of comebacks to go over with the Olympic sports as well. Stick around. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by the Unger Real Estate Group, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. He's a proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam as your realtor, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at facebook.com slash We Sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Unger Real Estate Group today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Luke Saris, and Brian Murphy with you uh, on the uh, well. If you're if you're getting this on Thursday, it's the eve of UCF against FAU on Friday night. And uh, getting ready to join us from uh, is another one of our new friends from SB Nation, uh, Cyrus Smith, who works for Underdog Dynasty. Uh, he's the managing editor over there, and he follows FAU. Interestingly enough, he's an Orlando kid who follows who went down to FAU and followed uh, and follows FAU now. Whereas I'm a South Florida kid who went to UCF and follows UCF now. So, uh, lots to talk about here. I know uh, Luke, you've worked with Cyrus for quite some time, and he has tremendous insight on FAU, and we're going to get that uh, right now. So, without further ado, here's our interview with Cyrus Smith of Underdog Dynasty. 
And joining us now, the managing editor of Underdog Dynasty, uh, part of the SB Nation Network, as well as, uh, he's, well, he covers FAU. He has done so for uh, the past four years and also Conference USA in general. Uh, Cyrus Smith joins us here on the uh, on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Cyrus, what's up, man? What's up, man? What's up, man? I'm glad. I'm happy to be back amongst my Orlando people now that I've moved um, out of Florida. So I feel like um, I'm back home just talking to, talking to you guys about you're in, Yeah, you're in like the perfect football time zone, man. You're out in Mountain now, which is just ideal, I think. I, I, I it's you know, football at 11 a.m. in the or, or at least pro football at 11 a.m. You can't beat that, man. Right. Yeah. It, it's so so weird. I wake up eat breakfast and then there's college football on at 10 a.m. It's it's amazing. I, I'm what, so thankful. <laughs> what a life, man. What a life, man. I, well, and the scenery is amazing, too. Well, wait, well, we can't put we can't let you get away from the Sunshine State too much. You got we got this big game coming up here on Friday night between the FAU and uh, UCF up here um, at the bounce house. It's the first meeting between these two squads uh, in 15 years. Um I was actually at that one. It was FAU's third season of football under Howard Schnellenberger. And uh, FAU was, F- was uh, FCS at the time, or I think at the time it was still called D1, D1AA. And, mm-hmm. uh, and UCF was coming off of a seven-win season, was, was primed to be a competitor in the MAC at that time. And uh, in comes this FAU team with Jared Allen at quarterback, and they gave UCF a scare. Uh, and UCF needed 497 yards from Ryan Schneider, uh, which is still a school record for passing, believe it or not, even after Mackenzie Milton's year last season. Uh, and in addition, they had 100-yard receiving games from two young receivers named Mike Sims-Walker and Brandon Marshall in order to get past uh, FAU. Well, what a difference 15 years makes. Uh, now FAU is, uh, in, is in, well, the former 1A, now uh, FBS, and uh, coming off a conference championship under Lane Kiffin, um, you know people talk about the rise of UCF, Cyrus. But I, I, if you just from the lay of the land, like the the, the rise of FAU as a football program has been uh, nothing short of remarkable. When you think about, you know what? Well, first what Howard Schnellenberger did, and then what the program has done since. You know, I, I mean, what are some of the things that that uh, that you know make you think about what, about what FAU has been able to do to become a major college football program? It's honestly phenomenal. I mean, you know, back when I was in high school, the, the first time I kind of really heard of FAU was uh, through the New Orleans Bowl when they actually, that was like their first breakthrough season when they got good. And to think that they were playing their games, not even in Boca Raton, but at a Lockhart High School, which is yeah. high school down in Fort Lauderdale, that's ridiculous. That's amazing to see that the transformation from the university to come from that to now having its own stadium, um, having the ability and the cachet to, go on and coach like Lane Kiffin and also just kind of realize its potential. There was a lot of years in that mug where before King, before um, Lane Kiffin arrived, where FAU was still trying to figure out who they wanted to be as far as administration, whether we should be a football school or a baseball school, whether we should be in the Sun Belt. And fortunately, thanks to Dr. Kelly, um, by way of Clemson, who kind of came over and he instituted that same philosophy of really wanting to make FAU a football program first. Um, despite the success of the baseball program, which is, you know, has been really tremendous throughout for about maybe two decades now, but yeah. under um, John McCormick, but as far as, you know, finally taking the initiative to make, putting that stamp down and making FAU a football program first has really done wonders, not just for the school itself, but for the community, for the Boca Raton communities, South Florida, 
people know who and where FAU is now. And it's, it's just funny to now that I walk around with FAU apparel, even in Colorado, <laughs> people think of Lane Kiffin and it's kind of, you know, I, I, you wouldn't have not even gotten that reaction anywhere north of South Florida um, a few years ago. So it's crazy to see where the program has come away from. You know, I'm, I, I grew up in South Florida. I grew up in Broward and, uh, and I came to UCF in 2001 and uh, I went to uh, high school down in uh, down in Davie, not far from one of FAU's satellite campuses, which we were talking about just before he came on. And uh, it's so funny, like FAU was considered almost like a four year community college when I was in high school. <laughs> and, and, and yes. to, yeah, and to see and, and to see what the program has done now, it's a it's a big state university. I mean, it's in it's in the beautiful spot in Boca. Um, you know, at, at least when I came to uh, UCF, you know, we knew all about FAU from our days in the Atlantic Sun Conference back in the day. You know, how we know how good baseball mm-hmm. is. Basketball was good. Mm-hmm. Won, won the won the A Sun in two thousand and two, and that was at UCF Arena back in the day. But um, to see the football program grow as it has, and to see FAU grow as grow as it has, has been really something to watch. You know, last year uh, under Lane Kip, that first year under Lane Kiffin, wow. I mean, you can't really ask for. A much better result. Eleven and three, winning the conference, won the bowl game against Akron in uh, in a rather convincing fashion, and the expectations were high coming into this year for FAU. Um, they had the date circled, obviously, for that first game against Oklahoma, but then they got but then they got totally steamrolled in that game. Uh, and I think that some of the luster nationally about uh, about you know the Lane Train um, kind of went away, but. With this game coming up against UCF, you know, winners of 15 games in a row, the Knights are. I think FAU can really uh, can, can sort of get some of that back. How much hype has been surrounding this game from FAU's perspective? Well, I know just for me personally, being that I grew up um, in Orlando and went to University High School, once the game was announced in 2015, and that was pretty much by my junior, senior year at FAU, I knew that amongst the people that I hung out with and the students and the fans that I, you know, predominantly talk spoken about the football program was, were super excited, not really just about the opportunity of playing UCF. Um, at that time, I believe they might've been in the big East and transitioning to the AAC, mm-hmm. where they were kind of in flux about the, the power, you know, BCS or non BCS, whatever that was going to be. Um, but it was mainly just about the opportunity of playing UCF and knowing that we got another regional opponent on the schedule, um, which is pretty cool. We, Right before that, I believe we were in the midst of um, a home and home with USF, and we were hoping that we can get UCF on the schedule as well. Just the, you know, the regional programs for programs, um, regional games for programs such as FAU does a lot for the financials financially for the school because it costs a lot of money. Um, being that our TV situation with Conference USA isn't the best to actually go out and get games, and that's why we had to play Oklahoma, which I believe gave us about a million dollars to come. So. Having an opponent, especially an opponent like UCF that has the cachet now that they've come off the New Year's Six Bowl win with, um, against Auburn in the Peach Bowl was a tremendous opportunity to put a stamp on um, you know, the, the program and for FAU to kind of have an, an arrive moment uh, with that game. Of course, like you said before, um, you know, the year prior having Lane Kiffin come in and then the Lane train and then all of that hype kind of take off, we kind of came a year early before the game even arrived. So it's added a lot of hype, but I definitely, just speaking with a few fans on Twitter and a few from back home, um, expectations are definitely a bit down since the Oklahoma game, which is, it's kind of funny that 
because I never really expected much out of the OU game, but it kind of makes it made us remind it reminded us, I should say, that we really aren't that far along from being three and nine, you know. So it should be interesting to see how FAU and UCF stack up, especially because of the rosters are so familiar with each other, being that they all held predominantly from the Sunshine State. I'm more so curious of what you think of the performance through the first three games compared to that, um, what was it, an eight-game uh, streak to end last season? Do you think the team is as explosive and performing as, at the same level as what you saw towards the end of last season? You know, what's funny is that, you know, comparing the early non-conference portion of, of as far as the performance compared to last year, it's kind of the same way. Um, against Navy, there was huge high expectations, and, of course, we got steamrolled. And then after that, we followed that up with another loss and then another loss. And we went one and three, but the offense was just kind of out of sync. The defense didn't know what it was doing. We really kind of looked like the same chorus three and nine team from the years prior before things kind of just clicked um, in conference play. Comparing that to this year, um, it's kind of really the same way. Um, high expectations for the Oklahoma game, got steamrolled, had a middling performance against Arkansas, showed out against Boone Cookman, obviously, just because they're an FCS team. But there's a feeling that FAU can kind of start getting things rolling with this UCF game right before conference play starts. So um, as far as the performance and comparing it to, to the year prior, it's kind of on par. Um, I, just my expectations for the UCF game. I'm expecting a better performance, but it wouldn't shock me if we just completely laid an egg just similar to last year and before we kind of picked the ball up and got things rolling in conference play. I mean, realistically, you could lose this game and still have a 12-win season, which would be right. phenomenal. You know, that, that's what happened. You went on a – you started conference play last season, and then you, you didn't lose again. So if, if that – if you follow a similar path, you know, you'll, FAU will – by the end of the season, it could be a 12-2 uh, and two program and, you know, potentially a top 20, top 15 team, in my opinion. Which anyway. would, right, yeah, which would be, would be tremendous. But for a lot of the fans – and it's funny because – um, you know, similar to what FAU is kind of going through with Miami, a lot of FAU fans are Miami fans. That's just how it is in South Florida. And they kind of give that same bragged, you know, that braggadocious personality as far as expecting more of the program and heaping on these high expectations on the school. And a lot of people feel like FAU should compete for the New Year Six. So there's a lot of expectations for the team to not only win 10-11 games, but to take that immediate step up to with you know UCF and the Boise State of the Group 5 Conference world, where they can be on that national level. I've always kind of had tempered expectations as far as whether FAU could accomplish that this year, especially considering the coaching transition that we've had. But I'm sure that even though France would definitely appreciate another back-to-back Conference USA championship season, I know for a fact that they want this win, and this win would definitely propel FAU to be in the conversation to be in the New Year's Six. UCF fans are, are the same way. You know, we, we all, both yep. fan bases, I guess, they, they, they are quick to forget the woes of the past. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. we, we were two seasons removed from 0-12, and, and then, you know, and, and, and now we if we lose a game, it, it might be the end of the world for some of these fans. So <laughs> I, I, I think that's just college football in general. Um, but it... it it's really nice to see support for that program. And it's, it's very similar to the, the transition UCF made coming up, um, you know, from the lower levels and, and, you know, eventually getting to 
this season like we had uh, last season, and and we're still growing. Yeah. Um, so, but it, it's definitely great to see for uh, for FAU. And that's what I really appreciate with FAU in that, like you know, before going, you know, just being a student there, the Boca Raton community is such a unique college campus, and I say that with air quotes because or college town, because it's not really a college town and it's never going to be a college town just because of the older residents that live there and how they want the city to be. So a lot of the ways the South Florida area, as far as Delray Beach, Deerfield Beach, and those other South Florida communities have kind of really, what FAU is trying to do is kind of adopt those cities as their own and kind of make it a South Florida thing versus just the Boca Raton thing. And, you know, comparing it with UCF, it, it was kind of the same way. You know, there's a lot of older alumni from the big three that reside in Orlando. They kind of just adopted UCF as kind of like the hometown team, right? Because that was the slogan last year. We've seen kind of what happened with UCF as far as the rise in the fan base and the growing of the community. And, you know, UCF has kind of put out that template as far as what FAU is trying and want to be. And whether they can establish that as far as the university in itself is something that is definitely going to be interesting to follow in these next few years. Let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the field and what we can expect from the Owls in this game on Friday night. Uh, Chris Robinson, the uh, true freshman quarterback for FAU, even despite the uh, the struggles in that Oklahoma game, um, is putting up some pretty solid numbers. He's uh, pretty close to 69% passing. He's thrown for almost 800 yards, four touchdowns, two picks so far. Um, he's come in and, uh, you know, a, a more or less, a, you know, lit things up for FAU and uh, taking command of Lane Kiffin's offense after last year when Jason Driscoll was running things uh, for at least part of the season. So tell us about Robinson and, and what he brings to the table for the Owls. Robinson has, you know, very, very improved from the Oklahoma game. Um, he's a lot more accurate of a passer than Jason Driscoll was, which adds another dimension. Last year, we were kind of predominantly a first, a run first team that kind of, you know, really either did those little hitches, um, jet sweeps type of plays to get the passing game going and then, you know, using it as a catalyst and that led to play action. This year, it's kind of a really a much more balanced approach. Um, and that's mainly due to Robinson's attributes. Um, he's not the runner like Driscoll was, which is kind of concerning, concerning because it doesn't open up the rushing lanes for Dilbert Singletary like he did last year. However, he is a much better passer, and in that, he's kind of been able to elevate the offense to a different dimension, assuming, of course, the offensive line and all the other kinks um, that's been kind of hiccuping um, this season has been fixed. Uh, so, again, it's, FAU just feels very volatile. The talent is there. But being that, you know, Robson is just a redshirt freshman and it's only going to be his fourth career game starting or third career game starting, there's a lot of um, angst and anxiety that comes in watching him perform. You're just not completely sure what you're going to get out of him. That sounds familiar, especially when you think back to Mackenzie Milton at UCF in 2016. But uh, one of the things that you guys do have going for you um, you know, last year, Devin Singletary, uh, almost a 2000 yard season on the ground and 32 touchdowns, which is, uh, which was obviously among one of the, uh, among the nation's leaders, uh, this year, he's off to a little bit of a slower start. If you could say, you know, somewhat slower, uh, he's averaging four yards a carry last year. He averaged 6.4, um, has there been some level of attrition? Is he dealing with anything that, you know, like a nagging injury or anything? What do you account for that uh, slow, uh, slow-ish slow start from Singletary? 
I think teams just have been able to key in on him. And being that Lane Kiffin's offense is really kind of um, dynamic in that there's a lot of tempo, but there's a lot of complexity, complexities with it too. Robinson just hasn't had a gain a great great get grasp of the offense those first earlier games. So a lot of teams have been able to stack up the box, play one-on-one outside man coverage. And even though lanes have been there and passes have been able to kind of be converted necessarily, so to speak, um, he hasn't been able to kind of convert them on a consistent basis where we can't get defenders out of the box. And in that way, Devin Singletary hasn't been able to perform um, to last year's standards. The offensive line is still pretty fine. Um, we lost about two starters last year. Um, and entering the season, that even I've, I haven't really found any thoughts with their performance. It's just that there's a lot more attention to Devin Singletary. People know that the Owls will go as he will go. And so people have been keying in on motor a lot lately. How about the defense this year? Because, you know, obviously you, you give up the – 63 to Oklahoma. I mean, you almost have to kind of throw that throw that out. But uh, you, you know, t- gave up 27 in a close game against Air Force and 28 to Bethune last uh, last week uh, in, in that home game. Are there some concerns on the defense as they get ready to face uh, Josh Heupel's offense here in Orlando? Yes, um, major concerns. Um, Tony well, Pekera, at least you're, at least you're for real about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, new defensive coordinator Tony Ficaro, um, coming over by way of Southern Miss, has a lot of blitzing tendencies. And um, we figured that that might transition well with FAU, but that just hasn't been the case. Um, the Havoc plays as far as tackles for loss, interceptions, passes tips at the line of scrimmage, just hasn't been there this season. Um, on top of that, we're not really getting to the quarterback as frequently, and we're not forcing any turnovers, which is what SAU really thrived on last year. So there's a lot of leaks, specifically in the secondary, which is really a surprise to a lot of FAU fans. Um, all-conference performer Jalen Young, he was tremendous last year, had seven interceptions, not heard of this season. Um, Thule, all the other guys in the back seven, they're just not as productive as they were last year, which is really, really concerning considering UCF's explosiveness through the passing attack. So that's really a huge concern entering this game. Yeah, we'll talk about a little bit more about Lane Kevin in a little bit. But yeah, you know, but Lane, you know, I mean, you got to give credit to Lane. He's he's going to try and stir stuff up to try and get his team going. And, and look, coaches, as Brian Murphy, uh, our, our our colleague here at Black and Gold Banner, said. You know, coaches are going to coach, but you know, in this this week, uh, he made a little bit of news from uh, basically putting some words into the mouth of ne- of uh, Neville yes. Clark from UCF <laughs> uh, and putting it on a little uh, little bulletin board poster where uh, he uh, where the, the quote was quote He's a pretty good back, talking about Devin Singletary. Uh, however, I look forward to stopping him dead in his tracks. The problem with that is Neville Clark never actually said that. He uh, and Kiffin, or maybe his GA or whoever is in charge of you know bulletin board material in the FAU football office, um, <laughs> kind of pulled that quote from a story that Brian did for the Orlando Sentinel, where you know Neville Clark didn't say anything. Uh, it, it, didn't say anything other than, you know, he said he was a pretty good back. It was Brian who actually wrote in the following sentence, however, he is looking forward to that challenge and stopping Conference USA's reigning most valuable player dead in his tracks. So, again, Neville Clark didn't say that, and yet Lillian Kiffin made it look, via his Twitter account, as though he did. This made a little bit of news this year. 
what do you make of the story? This seems to me like the classic, like ridiculous college football Twitter, you know, bulletin board material story. But like, I, I, I don't know. I, I it, this, this, it, that's it, just Lane Kiffin being Lane Kiffin. Okay, all right, that's what <laughs> I figured. That, that's yeah, yeah. There's nothing other um extra towards that. It's just part of the Lane train, the theatric that's been part of the job and. You know, that's what athletic directors have been kind of worried about with Lane Kiffin as far as his control on Twitter and what he tweets out and what he doesn't do. And FAU's been able to, you know, to their credit, has given him free reign to do whatever he wants and these other types of things that he would do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is it about what is it about Lane? Like, at FAU, I mean, the headlines that he made, you know, from, you know, from USC, from Tennessee to USC to Alabama and everywhere in between. But what is it about lane at FAU that just seems to work and what is it that you're kind of, that kind of makes you as somebody who follows FAU so closely just kind of cringe a little bit um you know he's just been given free reign to do what he wants um last year he brought in Kimber Riles which was something I was completely against and did not necessarily approve of just as an alumni of the school and knowing what Riles was associated at Baylor and, you know, the Board of Trustees and FAU School President and Athletic Director at the time, Pat Chun, approved it. And that's just like, we have to accept that that's just what Lane would do, you know. Um, theatrics be damned. He doesn't really care. He just wants to win games. Um, but he's been a lot more comfortable in his skin, and he's really embraced that attitude as far as improving FAU. And taking on kind of the same Howard Stellenberger mantra, which was pretty much saying that, hey, he's going to win at FAU which no one really believed except for Schnellenberger himself. So Lane Kiffin's kind of adopted that approach and produced last year. So fans have been kind of okay with it, but there are moments like this where you just kind of wish that you could just do without, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think he'll stick around long? Um, You know, everyone kind of mentioned that he was one and done, but I never saw that case. Um, I felt like just reading his quotes and all the stories and feature profiles that he felt really different from his time at USC. Uh, so I've always said that if he can give us two years, that'd be fine. I think he's going to give us three years. I think he'll be back again next year, and then by 2019, he'll be off to somewhere. You think two years is fine until it happens, and then you can't cope with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool stuff. But I, I also think he really uh, he really enjoys just being able to do whatever he wants, and he's not going to get mm-hmm. that, kind of, yeah. that kind of ability anywhere else in the country. Yeah, there's so a certain beauty to that, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's that having that kind of a free having that kind of freedom is, I mean, you can't really find it much anywhere else. I, I think UCF was willing to do that. It's interesting. UCF was willing to do that with George O'Leary, in uh, when he came on board in two thousand four, and George had a lot of latitude, and he was able to keep that latitude, and he stayed for ten years. Um, will Lane stay ten years? Like I, I know Cyrus, you're saying three, but yeah. You know, I, 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 I just wonder about like are are there other schools that are gonna that would be willing to take the risk, or and kind of give him the sort of carte blanche that he has at FAU, or are there, or are there like you know what, Lane's okay down in FAU. I don't think we kind of want to deal with that right now. You know what I mean? It, it's it's kind of a difficult debate to have internally if you were an athletic director for another school, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I guess it all depends on what you're willing to put up with and the winning. Um, I kind of posed the question, you know, earlier, just thinking to myself um, whether he would take the Georgia Tech job, which is a very academically prestigious job, but it's located in the hub of Atlanta. Right. And 
I don't think that Georgia Tech would take him because of, you know, who they would choose to represent themselves as a university. Now, you flip all of that around and let's say Mark Drake retires in like two, three years. I definitely can see him fitting in perfectly fine as a university of Miami. Oh boy. So it's all about, you know, yeah, completely fine as far as with that swagger and who that university would like to portray themselves as the football school. So I can definitely see him fitting in, but it, it is going to be a case by case basis as far as what power five program decides to take him, if any. Yeah. I mean, you, when you, if you bring it on lane, you're bringing all the baggage that comes with him. So, but uh, you know, FAU so far to this point has, uh, like you said, uh, Cyrus dealt with the, dealt with the baggage quite well. And I guess we'll see what happens on Friday night quickly before we let you go prediction for the game. Oh man. Um, I have a bunch of UCF friends, um, bunch of UCF alums who, who I know well, and, um, they know all summer I've been talking trash to them about the game, but (laughs) the game has arrived. I'm not feeling as confident. (laughs) Um, I see the game uh, going out 45, 31. I do think FAU will have a bounce back game as far as, their performance on the big stage. However, I just think Kenzie Milton, those guys are just really too explosive, and I'm not a fan of FAU secondary as far as how they're performing and getting the blitz schemes and their concepts down from this new defensive coordinator. I think there's going to be a lot of holes in the secondary, and I feel like McKenzie Milton should be able to exploit them pretty fine. Um, defensively for UCF, um, I haven't really been that a fan um, uh, that necessarily afraid of the Randy Shannon defense just dating back to his Florida days. Um, but I do think that there's enough talent there that'll just bottle up FAU. And like I mentioned before, the Owls are still extremely volatile. So I just don't see them performing at a consistent enough basis to, you know, keep pace with the Knights, unfortunately for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wish we could, we could see you down here for the game, unfortunately, but uh, I know, that, I know. That would have been something, man. But uh, we'll have to catch up another time in person at some point. If you ever find yourself back in the Orlando uh, area, give us a holler. We'll get together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Will do. All right. Sounds good. Cyrus Smith from uh, Underdog Dynasty. Real quick before I let you go, Cyrus, uh, uh, tell everyone where they can reach out to you and where UCF fans can send their I told you so's. <laughs> at CoolSciRights is where you can find me on Twitter. Um, as far as Underdog Dynasty, um, at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter as well. Just be sure that, um, you know, definitely wait until that final score before you guys start coming at me, because I will give it back to you. <laughs> I've seen it before firsthand, too. Thanks, Cyrus. Uh, have fun out in Denver, and uh, enjoy the game Friday night. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, you guys, too. Be safe, guys. All right, thanks to uh, Cyrus. Again, uh, Cool Cy Writes on Twitter and Underdog Dynasty on Twitter as well. To get uh, to get in touch with him and uh, see everything that he has uh, on uh, the FAU Owls. All right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap up this game preview score predictions. Uh, I know we don't ask for those very often because you know we get ourselves in trouble. But I don't know. I just kind of this game just kind of feels all over the map to me. Uh, Luke, we'll start with you. What you got? Um, just like in my article, I'm, I'm sticking with my 52 to 31. Um, I think. FAU will be able to put some points on the board. I don't think their defense will be able to contain us. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be a high-scoring game, but 52-31. to 31. But I, at the same time, I predicted we were going to score 63 against South Carolina State, and look <laughs> how that turned out. So, who Bri- knows? <laughs> Brian? Uh, yeah, this is like the same like helpless feeling as I picked two random numbers out of the air. Uh, <laughs> I'll go 45-27. 
Defense may not be great again, but there's plenty of offense to, to get over the top. This feels like 45-31. I don't know why. I mean, it'll be, I, I think we will have a lot of points. I'm thinking that the over is definitely in play. Um, 45-31 would be would hit both Just the that. over and also it would be it UCF would win that against the spread, right? So, well, uh, the the I think the over seventy seven. You're at seventy six. Seventy seven. I'm se- okay. I thought it was seventy one. Well, no, it's seventy seven. Oh, it's seventy seven now. Oh, well, forty eight to thirty one. It is forty eight thirty. Okay, there you go. I mean, that's that's what we got. <laughs> Don't forget uh, Luke's preview uh, and all of Brian's work is welcome. All right, let's uh, check in with our uh, Olympic sports. Um, I want to start by talking about volleyball because um, you guys know how much I love volleyball. <laughs> um, and they got a sweep in their first, uh, in their, excuse me, in their second uh, home uh, tournament of the year as they get ready for conference play, the Volley Knights Invitational. Um, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world in the final match. So in their schedule... Um, they played uh, Alabama State and Florida Gulf Coast, swept them both on Friday. Came to Saturday against Yale, and uh, Yale's pretty good. They're going to com- they're going to compete for the Ivy League title. And uh, UCF jumped out two nothing, but Yale came storming back, uh, won the next two sets, pushed it to five, and actually in the fifth, there was a wild fifth set between these two. Um, UCF jumped out nine to five. Yale came storming back, took a. Th- 13 to 10 lead. Remember, they played a 15 in the fifth. Uh, and then UCF racked up five points in a row and closed out uh, the match. Uh, some uh, awards to pass out uh, for uh, UCF Volleyball. Jordan Pingle, um, once again, uh, winning uh, one of the weekly awards uh, from the American Defensive Player of the Week Award. Uh, McKenna Melville also had a fantastic weekend for UCF. So, they are finished with non-conference play. They are headed into uh, the American Athletic Conference schedule with their first match of the conference season, 7 p.m. Friday uh, at USF uh, at the same time, right across from the football game. Because, uh, but that'll be. But again, they're at Tampa, so they won't. It won't be volleyball happening on campus. And in fact, UCF will be away for their first three matches of the conference season. They don't play again at home until the weekend of. Friday, October 5th, when they play Tulsa at home. And then Sunday, October 7th, big match against Wichita State. Um, so that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on uh, as they head into conference play. And then eventually we get the RPI out and all that. So uh, UCF Volleyball right now, 9-3. and three, Really good start. First time since 2016 that they've uh, gotten off to as good a start. 750 uh, in the uh, in the conference is a good way to start. By the way, uh, got some sound from that uh, match. Here is, uh, well, we'll start with uh, Coach Dagenet. I, I can't tell you how resilient I thought that we were. Were we good? No. Uh, you know, did we play as clean as what we wanted to play? No. But we played with all the heart, all the passion, all the desire of a champion. Um, we worked as hard as hard as you could work, and, and we were lucky that it broke in our favor. All right, so UCF Volleyball at 9-3. and three. Now, soccer. All right, we need to talk about soccer because... We've got something brewing here with UCF um, men's soccer. Uh, they are really heating up. They are 12-2-2 in their last 16, going back to last year. 5-1-1 one, one this season, coming off of a uh, dr- rather dramatic 4-2 uh, victory 
at Stetson, where they were down two to one. And this is pretty amazing, guys. They, they were down two to one heading into the 88th minute. And then this is what happened. Uh, Hattie Barry scored at 87.07 of the game to tie it. Nine seconds later, Cal Jennings scores the go-ahead goal. Nine seconds. Now, I, I tried to double-check. I wasn't sure if this is the fastest um, time between goals in UCF history, um, but doggone it, it's got to be pretty close. Um I mean, nine seconds. Like I don't, I don't even recall the last time that. Have you guys seen anything like that happen in any sport? Like, you know, like two goals in nine seconds in like hockey or something like that. I feel like that's happened in hockey, but that makes more sense. It's a faster game with like like on an ice sheet. Yeah, not smaller like field of play, enough. right? Yeah, yeah, not in soccer where it's like grass and a larger field of play. It doesn't quite make yeah. much sense. The the night whatever it says here. In the release, the nine seconds it took for UCF to score its second and third goal was the second fastest by a team in Division I history. Uh, and then they weren't done because, uh, well, 57 seconds later, excuse me, one minute and 57 seconds later, uh, Cal Jennings scored his third goal of the match uh, to wrap the scoring. So UCF ends up scoring um, three goals in the span of less than two minutes. Uh, to wrap up uh, their game against Stetson. And Cal Jennings, Offensive Player of the Week uh, in the American uh, got, with the hat trick, his second hat trick of uh, the season. Uh, and uh, he is second in the nation right now in goal scored. He's got nine. Uh, the leader, I believe, has 13. But um, but he is off to a whale of a start uh, for UCF men's soccer. Um, by the way, UCF three and O on the road this year. Um, yeah, they they are on a roll. Their next game is uh, at Temple to start the conference slate again Friday at seven p.m. <laughs> a lot of UCF stuff going on Friday at seven p.m. But this is at Philadelphia. Uh, they're back home Friday, September twenty eighth at seven p.m. to face uh, SMU. And uh, in the middle of that, well, <laughs> I should say you know as we flip over to uh, women's soccer. Uh, boy, it was a tough. It was a tough week for Stetson soccer teams against uh, against against UCF. Um, so the following day, after the men's soccer team beat Stetson with the three goals in like in like five tenths of a second, uh, women's soccer went up to play Stetson and came away with a five to one victory. Not so dramatic, but uh, another hat trick. Uh, for UCF. This time it was Stephanie Sanders, uh, the, the Germany native, who was on the German U-20 team. Well, she scored three goals uh, to push UCF uh, past us in 5-1. to one. So in the span of, what, about uh, 93 minutes of soccer, UCF uh, soccer teams outscored Stetson 8-1. to one. So not a bad week on work. Uh, UCF is 3-3-1 right now, but uh, this is what I thought was the most impressive Thing I didn't even realize the statistic. This is the most amazing statistic I've seen. UCF women's soccer all time against Stetson. Care to guess what their record might be? How many times have they played? Twenty-two times. So I'll I'll be generous and say twenty-one and one. Oh man, I was going to say that. All right. <laughs> 
you'll have to take the over on that one. UCF is 22-0-0 all time. Wow. 22 wins, no losses, no ties ever against uh, Stetson. Wow. Um, <clears throat> that is, like, I don't think there's any other team that UCF has played in any sport as many times and has never lost or tied. I mean, that's amazing. Um, so, yeah, here's the story with women's soccer. They, they're kind of off to that squirrely start because of the early games that they played against Texas and North Carolina kind of threw everything off. They got the tie against Maryland and lost to George Mason. They start conference play as well. Thursday, September 27th. Uh, so they've got some time off. They got eleven days off until the uh, until the Temple game, and then they're at UConn Sunday, September thirtieth at noon. Back home Thursday, October fourth for the home conference opener against East Carolina. So that's your update on the Olympic sports. Um, that was a wild weekend, man. That, that, that the nine seconds between the goals I thought was the most amazing thing that I've ever seen. There's video of it. Actually, we have it on blackandgoldbanneret.com uh, that UCF was able to. You know, there was actually a uh, technical glitch with Stetson's uh, video feed, so they found the coach's video, and they posted it. Um, and it was, believe it or not, I, I think I saw this, the, the goal, the, the second goal on the, set, on the back end of the nine seconds was, believe it or not, off of a corner. So there was oh, a, there was a was foul? Gonna... In uh, nine like... seconds? Yeah, no, yeah, no, it there. was it, it wasn't it wasn't off of a foul. It was it was Not off a foul, of a yeah. corner kick. So somehow right. UCF gained possession off the restart, forced the ball down Stetson's end, and then it went off of a Stetson player, and then UCF had a corner off of that, which was I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, nine how, seconds. How far out was the 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 first shot? How far out did they did they know. try to score? I don't know. I need to look at the video. I need to look at the video too, but it looked like it was off of a corner. But um, this this is the 2018 edition of the Zapruder film at this point. Yes, I know. Need to see it. So, all right. So uh, let's wrap this thing up here uh, on blackandgoldbanneret.com. Luke, I will start with you. Uh, You've got your preview up. What else do you have in mind coming this week? Um, Preview should have the recap, instant recap of the game, post game. Um, and you might have a few surprises up my sleeves. I, I need to hit the drawing board, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for Friday. Yeah. I mean, this should be a good game for Friday. It'll be good to kind of hang out. And it, you know what the best part about this is? It's just like the first week on thir- with the Thursday night game, uh, with UConn is like, we can just hang out on Saturday and watch football. <laughs> you know, we don't have to yeah. worry about it. It's you weird. Should... It, it, it felt like football season started and then it, this whole week has felt like, or going back to last week has felt like it's been it's weird. Still the off season because yeah. we had that that early buy, but I'm excited to get back back to action. Brian, what you got? I got things, Jeffrey. I got things. <laughs> uh, I got. I'll, I'll be posting the the potent quotables, which I've been mocked by by my friends for stealing a Jeopardy category and turning it into whatever that is. Uh, potent quotables after the game. I'll be sort of highlighting uh, what was said after the game after against FAU. Uh, pretty sure I want to post something else before the game uh, on Thursday, maybe Friday morning. Uh, not sure exactly what, but something will be up there. Uh, and then whatever things might happen. Like, like Luke said, we got ideas, Jeffrey. We're, we're you know, we got, we got things cooking. We got a lot of stuff going on. 
We got a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot happening. There's just a, it's, it's a lot going on here. Um, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. I also wanted to thank uh, Chris Carter. He's been following things and doing this sort of deep deep dive analysis as well. You can check that out as well. He also fo- he's also been following things that have been going on around UCF schedule, uh, posting highlights on that. Um, and also check out Eric Lopez, uh, his uh, ELO seven points this week on Cal Jennings, uh, the UCF men's soccer's uh, goal-scoring machine, second in the country in goals right now. So that should be a lot of fun, uh, too. Uh, and uh, also, uh, and, and I guess we'll wrap with this. I, I actually did a little comparison based off a quote I saw from um, the boat himself, Blake Bortles. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I know. How did we not? How did we not debate this earlier? Okay. we got we, you know we went back and forth on Twitter. Now's the time. Now's the time. We're going to settle this. We'll 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 we'll, we'll put the call. All right. The debate it, now. Blake Bortles kind of tongue in cheekishly kind of said you know, to Calais Campbell on a Jacksonville Jaguars um, weekly show. He said um, they asked him, or, or a viewer actually asked, uh, following obviously Blake's amazing performance against New England. Which UCF team would win if his 2013 team, the Fiesta Bowl team, played the 2017 team, uh, the the undefeated national champions? And Blake said, and I quote, we'd run them out of the stadium, end quote. Now, I decided it would be a, ge- it would be a genius idea to actually um, take a look at the numbers. And it turns out the numbers pretty much favor the 2017. Certainly they do on offense. Um, the uh, 2017 team also faced uh, their opponents had a higher combined win percentage than 2013's team. Uh, the one edge where 2013 did have was third down percentage. Didn't we have a post on? Didn't we have a poll on Twitter about this? We what did. Put, yeah, we that? did put a poll on Twitter. It's actually still active right now. Um, okay. So by the time you listen to this, people, you will this will expire. It'll still be there. It, listen, if you're no, 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 no. It's I said it for seven days. It should still be up there by the time you know. Oh, yeah. Okay. I thought it was twenty four hours. No, no, it no, no, been no, 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 no. Never, never ending. Poll. It should be a forever poll. Yeah, exactly. Forever <laughs> um, poll. So, all right. So they had the so the uh, twenty thirteen team had the advantage in time of possession, third down, red zone. Um. Uh, on offense, they had a, they had the advantage on a few uh, defensive categories, gave up fewer yards, um, held opponents to a lower red zone percentage, uh, lower rushing uh, lower rushing yards per game, lower passing yards per game, uh, but they didn't force as many turnovers as the 2017 team did. And on special teams, UCF had a better kicking game in 2013. UCF had a better return game in 2017. So I will throw it to you, Luke Harris, because we do we. Uh, debated this a bit on Twitter. Who you got if this if we could crank up the Madden machine and do this? Now, let me first say when when I when I was tweeting back and forth with you earlier, mm-hmm. that wasn't me picking the 2013 team. Uh huh. I w- just wanted to make the point that and and you know you could you could pull up wins loss uh, you know opponent win loss percentage whatever so on and so forth. I firmly believe the schedule in 2013 was much more difficult than what UCF faced last season. Um, I know Penn State was only a 7-5 and five team, but when you go into Beaver Stadium in front of 90,000 people, I think that's a tough game 
for any opponent, let alone a, a school who's not used to an atmosphere like that. Um, you know, South Carolina ended the uh, the season 12 and two, I believe. You know, to to battle with them to stay within a field goal. You know, on the road took Louisville out. Uh, you know, in in their house. Even uh, Houston was eight and five that season. Um, there, I, I think the schedule was was much tougher in that season compared to 2017. And you know, it it was the team 2013 was four points away from from being an undefeated team. Um, so with that being said, you know you're you're looking at Georgia Leary who's going to eat up play clock versus Scott Frost, who was UCF fast. Um, it, it, two polar opposite teams. Yeah. But um, if I was going to put money on the team, I would probably take 2017. Um, but I, I, I think, um, you know, that just that was the first true like real magical season. So that 2013 team will always have a special place in my heart. Um, but I, I guess if if I had to pick, I'd pick 2017. But you know, the point the point I was making earlier was was comparing the the schedules. I think 2013 uh, the the road was much harder than 2017. You know the 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 interesting part about this is you alluded to this is that styles make fights right this is the cla- if you could imagine this ever happening like this would be the classic you know complete like you said polar opposites of of one another facing off between these two teams um interestingly enough i, I forgive me um Somebody who follows us on Twitter uh, actually sent this to me. They, uh, it was a website called College Football, or excuse me, NCAA Game Sim dot com. Have you guys seen this? I'm the one who tweeted it to you. That's okay. Well, who is? But someone else said it. Was was it you or was it someone else? No, it was me. No, there was someone else. I, I'm, I'm telling you, there was some. There was somebody else here that actually had it. I swear. Um. And and you also sent it over to me. Who was it? Zach McElroy. Zach Did McElroy. Did he send it before or after? I think me? he. That... I think he sent it. He sent it before you. It was twenty hours ago. So that was yesterday. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Sorry, Luke. Well, now I feel dumb. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm glad you. Got, but I'm glad you guys sent this to me. And it's actually really cool if you get the chance to do this. Um, I don't know who runs this this site, but it's amazing. Um, so. They've run. You can pick like a year and a team from from 2018, 2019, all the way back to 2011, 2012. So we simulated 2017 UCF and 2013 UCF. Uh, it's been simulated a hundred, and it keeps track of the number of times it simulates the game, right? And so this matchup has been simulated 152 times. Uh, out of the 152, the 2018 team has won 100 times. 2014 obviously is 152, so that's a 60, 66-34% split. Um, they calculated that it went to overtime seven times. Uh, 
2018 won by 20 points or more 43 out of the 100 times. Um, 2014 won by 20 points or more 6 out of the 52 times that they won. The average score um, out of the 152 simulations was 33.1 to 24.7. Now, just, just as a side note, mm-hmm. it it lists the years like 13, 14, 17, 18. Yeah. So I know I know you just said 2018, 2014, but that – Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There's no – it was 2017 versus 2013. Right, right, right. Thank you for that clarification. Good call because it's it, – yeah, it's, it's kind of like – it kind of lists them like basketball seasons. Yeah. So – I said 2018 when I really mean it was 2017, but um, but yeah, no, that's really good. If you ever get the chance to check it out, NCAA Game Sim, and make sure you thank Luke for it because um, because that was a good that was a good find by you, and also thanks to Zach for uh, for sending that over um, as well. And maybe we can the more simulations we run, but it seems like I don't know. However, the simulation runs, the 2017 team has the clear advantage. Brian, let me ask you. In an imaginary game between these two, who would you take? Uh, I'd probably take the. Well, I mean, God, I can't believe I'm being really serious about this. Uh, I'd <laughs> probably take the 2017 team uh, because people should remember too. I don't know if the if the simulation system is just running off of, of end of season stats, but if you take the 2017 defense and just take it before the Austin P game, basically the first half <laughs> of that season, it's a top. 10 defense like statistically that was a top seven or eight defense as far as scoring defense um and so there was a really well-rounded team until the final month of the season when the defense which was admittedly tired uh kind of fell apart yeah they were running so, out of gas i think that 2017 team was was just better on both sides of the ball yeah um by the way uh, I should note that we ran uh, UCF against Alabama um, from 20, 2017 versus 2017. Do you guys care to know what the results are there? It depends sure, what they I'm, are. I'm sure the I'm are. sure the listeners care. Let's go. This is this is probably going to invalidate the entire website. Um, oh boy. Uh, closer than you think. Uh, it's been simulated 1,176 times. Uh, Alabama wins by an average score of 33.4 to 23.3. Uh, they win 71.4% of the matchups. Uh, and uh, and it goes to overtime 24 times. So that's 2%. Um, UCF wins 336 of them. Uh, uh, 6.3% of them, UCF wins by 20 points or greater. But... Um, but yeah, I mean that's I mean that's that's what it's showing. So I'm, I I want to run UCF versus Auburn and see what the computer uh-huh. would, would spit out in that simulation. Because listen, let's, let's do it. Twenty percent odds are low, but all it takes is is one of those odds, and you know who? What are the what were the odds we would have gone? Okay, thirteen and zero. Here you go. Here you go. Ready? Yes. It's been run oh, UCF God. UCF and Auburn last year has been run eight hundred and fifteen times. Obviously the more you get, larger sample size. Are, uh, are these simulations pressed by people? Like are these like visitors who want to yeah, know? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is okay, this okay, is what's okay. great about I, it. I sit I sit here at night and just click the refresh button. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so, what Luke Saris does at night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um 
Interestingly enough, Luke Saris, listen to this. Uh, Auburn, of the 815 times that's been simulated, wins 509 times. That's 62.5%. By 20 or greater, 18.9%. UCF wins 37.5% of the time. 21 times it goes to OT. Uh, average score, Auburn 29, UCF 24.7. That's actually pretty close to what we had in, in the Peach Bowl. Fairly close, I would say. I mean, flip it, obviously. But um, Oh, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, uh, okay, if you, okay, if you walked up to me that morning and you said UCF has about a 37.5% chance of winning the game, I would say... Yep, that sounds about right, and I'll take my chances. Yeah, right. So, Brian, the computer. <laughs> what do no, you think? no, dude, that, that that sounds all right. It's funny how the scores, I think, for all of these games feel um, somewhat muted. I, feel, I think all the scores are kind of lower than I would expect. But yeah, I mean, like as far as the percentage chances, like yeah, this random computer generator seems to be doing just fine. I love I love this kind of stuff. I'm such a, such a geek. I really need help. You need to check out whatifsports.com. I have seen whatifsports.com. I love that place. Um, it's oh my god! No, get, get me away from here before I start. Before the I start. only bone to pick with them is they never updated with 2017 football stats. So I don't know if they gave up uh, on the project. But I hope not. But I don't know. We'll have to see. But, yeah. <laughs> What was the simulation that I just ran now? UCF beating Alabama 20 to 19. All right. Yay. All right. No way it would no way it would be that low scoring. Yeah, the, the this thing is like really t- playing up the defense. Yeah, you never know. I mean, hey, you know why not, right? Um, but yeah, this, I don't know how it I don't know how it runs these play-by-play uh these play-by-play simul uh um uh, these play-by-play things so quickly. its That's mind-boggling to me. But anyway, worth checking out. NCAAGameSim.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, Brian, where can people reach you? Other than Lane Kiffin. Uh, yeah, you can reach me on the internet. It's a series of tubes. Uh, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at at Spokes underscore Murphy on Twitter. And Luke Saris, where can people reach you? On Twitter, at Luke Saris SBN. And you can reach me at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can reach all of us at UCF underscore Banneret. Don't forget to follow us at, at uh, on Friday night, 7 p.m. kickoff between UCF and FAU. Our uh, live game thread starts an hour before that at 6 p.m. Uh, and we will, uh, well, most of us will be there at least. I know Brian will be there. I'll be there. Uh, everybody Luke, will be checking. Luke, you'll be there as a, as a fan or, or you'll be there, right? Yeah, you're going to be at the be game, in- right? I'll be in the black and gold cabana cheering on the Knights. You're in the cabana? I am. I splurged. Get so out. What side, what side of the state? Are you on the UCF tunnel side? Uh, yes. Oh, my Damn. gosh. Dude, we need a review. Um, I can do one, but it's not going to be good. Why not? <laughs> Wait, I can guess. <laughs> Luke, how old? Luke, how am. old are you? Here I am putting Luke on the spot. Jeez, Louise. I I am twenty five. <laughs> Here we go. I have a good reason why this is not going to be a good review, but I I, I approve of this reason. <laughs> Wait, 
I, I think we're on. I, I, what do you think is the reason? Uh, will you not be enjoying any libations? <laughs> well, no. The, honestly, here's here's. I'll give you the quick the quick uh-huh, rundown. Uh huh. Yep. We've heard this one before. No, I'm just kidding. no. Go ahead. <laughs> this, this is the issue. So I I buy these tickets and we go through the process and we get the the last seats in the row. So I'm like, perfect. I am on the end of an aisle because I like being on the end of of an aisle. Um, And it turns out since I'm on the the last seat of the last section, there's this gate separating the, the peasants from the upper echelon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the people in the section over who have normal seats have a walkway. I have a gate nudged up against me. So are you, is, on the, are you on the far, like if you were sitting in the press box, are you on the far end or are you next to the tunnel? If you're looking at the black and gold cabana from the press box, I'm in the bottom right corner. Right, so you're going to be on the you're on the near you're closer to the near side. Gotcha. Yeah, if you're looking on TV, right? Oh, yes. Okay. I will definitely but be seeing. I'll definitely be seeing you, Ben. You'll see me nudged in my corner. <laughs> yeah. You got to send us pictures, and, and like if someone runs up to you, I mean, you, you got. I mean, oh man, I wish I was there, man, Luke. Golly, unbelievable. I'll, I'll go. Listen, I'll go up to the press box. You take my ticket. You can see what my buddies. <laughs> And, 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 and get the full experience. Yes, because that'll go over well with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up. Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banner. It's also where you can hit us up on Facebook. And as always, at BlackandGoldBanner.com, we are SB Nation's home for UCF sports. And uh, tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, leave us a rating. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, <laughs> SoundCloud, Stitcher. And tune in. For Brian and Luke, I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the game Friday night at 7. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.